This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Here's the story of a lovely lady who is bringing Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and with all this retire early talk, here's a question. Is it humanly possible for someone to raise a family and retire early? Today, we welcome a woman who's focused on just that while raising six yeah, that's not a typo. Six children. She's the queen of the House of Five podcast, Wendy Mays. Also joining us from Afford Anything, it's Paula Pant. And from LenPenzo.com, say hello to Mike Brady. <laughs> he was busy raising three boys of his own. It's just Len Penzo. But that's not all. In our Friday FinTech segment, we'll shine a spotlight on a way to help you clean out the closets before the school year and buy gently used and much less expensive school supplies from Mercari. Say hello to Brad Williams. We'll also magnify someone's money and save time for my amazing trivia. And now, a guy who's been there and done that when it comes to raising children, though who doesn't think this guy's just a child in adult clothing? It's Joe Salcihai. Maybe I am just a kid in adult clothing. I've been called that before. I will not dispute that, but I will say this. Uh, well, let's introduce the panel because I'm very curious about this. In the desert where she makes the Afford Anything podcast, it's my good friend Paula Pant. I'm here. I'm back for another round. So when we talk about, from Lempenzo.com, it's Mike Brady raising three boys on his own. I know that reference. No way. I do. I know that reference. Mm -hmm. That is a reference to the Brady Bunch. No. And I'm patting myself on the back right now because I rarely know pop culture references, but I do know that one. I am so surprised. And the guy who is here instead of Mike Brady, deep under Los Angeles, it's Len Penzo. You are surprised. I've got to say, you know, I loved the Brady Bunch when I was a kid. And as a matter of fact, Mike Brady was an architect, and that inspired me. I spent uh, the next uh, five or six years preparing to be an architect, and I went to school to become an architect because of Mike Brady. I wanted to be an architect, Len. That's funny, until seventh grade. You know what I realized in seventh grade? They don't make any money? No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> they make they make good money, those guys. No, well, I really do. Yeah, they do. Yeah, I realized I couldn't draw worth a. <laughs> I apparently have to draw to be able to be an architect. Just not 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 me. So, 
Yeah, I'm very surprised. But I'm also surprised. We've got a big guest here today, guys. From, it's funny because I talk to her, I feel like, all the time lately. I have no idea exactly where she's at. From the House of Fi podcast, it's the queen of the House of Fi, Wendy Mays. Where the hell are you, Wendy? I am in Chula Vista, which is like a suburb of San Diego. Ah, awesome. I thought you were further north than that. I have no idea why. Yeah, I don't either. Well, I was born further north than that. I was born in Sacramento. So I am a California native, but... That's exactly what I'm thinking, I'm sure. Exactly what I was thinking. I say all the things like like and totally and awesome and... (laughs) (laughs) Which I know those come out of your vocabulary all the time. All the time. And I'm 49, (laughs) so I don't... (laughs) So tell everybody about the magic that's the House of Five podcast, because as I've told you many times, I love the way your show, even from the beginning, I like the... I like the laughter, the dog barking, like real life and uh, fire combined. Well, I tried to really think like that, that intro really does simulate our crazy chaotic life. So, you know, the dog barking at the doorbell and all of that, that's our life, you know, six kids. So eight people in the house and two dogs. It's, it's managed chaos at all times. That emulates Paula's house too. And she doesn't have a dog or kids. I know, right? I've got two cats and a turtle. (laughs) And they are. Do you have have Alice too? (laughs) Oh, gosh. If I had Alice, I would not be on medication. (laughs) How do you how do you spell all those? uh, You were talking about those valley girl words. How do you spell all those, Wendy? What? What do you mean? Well, if you have to if you have to write like somebody from aren't those considered valley girl or is that? Like 1980s, Len. Am you I talking? Well, that is totally 1980s. Totally girl, 80s. But <laughs> I don't put them in parentheses. I mean, they're just like part of the actual sentence. I wonder what would happen if uh, Grammarly tried to help you spell those words. I have <laughs> no idea how that would work. <laughs> I, would I, was, it. <laughs> I was sweating that one out. Thanks to Grammarly for supporting Stacky Benjamins. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people like totally improve their writing. To be mistake, how can I say this with vocal fry? To be mistake free, clear, and effective. Start writing confidently by going to grammarly.com. No, that's not good. I can't do it. By grammarly.com forward slash SB to totally get 20% off a Grammarly premium account today. We've got Wendy Mays here from the House of Fi. We've got Lempenzo here from lempenzo.com. We got Paula here from Afford Anything. Let's get the party started. Hello, darlings. And now, it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins Headlines. Our headline today is a blog post from the Retire by 40 blog. And Paula, how long has it been since we've done one? Have we done one of Joe's blog posts? If we have, it's been a very long time. Which is unbelievable because he's always got something interesting on that site. Absolutely. And he's been blogging for years. He's a... uh, Long-time member of the community. Yes. He was a veteran when when I started uh, my first blog. Len, you're not just the old man, but the guy that's been blogging the longest. Was Joe here before or after you at Retire by 40? I think he came a couple years after me. Yes. Yeah. So Len maintains the title, just so we all know. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, it's very good, but we have you beat right here. So is it harder to retire early with kids? Uh, Joe writes, is early retirement out of reach if you have kids? As all parents know, children aren't cheap. The USDA projected parents 
uh, will spend $233,610 to raise a child from birth to age 17. That's a lot of money. Early retirement's already difficult to achieve. Once you add child raising expenses, it's pretty much impossible, especially if you have more than one child. At least that's what most parents think when they read about the FIRE movement. In reality, many early retirees have children. Early retirement is easier without kids because it's a bit simpler. Kids introduce a lot of uncertainties into the equation. Let's talk first about kids costing a lot of money. Wendy, I'm going to talk to you first because we're <laughs> we're doing this piece partly because you're on the show. So if his if his calculations are right, you and your spouse and co-host Curtis, you guys are going to spend about one and a half, just less than one and a half million dollars that could have been in your pockets raising these hoodlums. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody want any kids to get that money back? Wendy reads this and goes, can I sell a couple? No, seriously. Obviously, you've thought about how difficult this is. Well, you know, I've I've never put it in numbers, but I do know that, you know, they cost more bigger houses, bigger vehicles. I We have a suburban because that or a minivan is the only thing that would hold all of our family at one time. And I refuse to drive a minivan. So, you know, <laughs> there we are. And it's a gas guzzler. So, you know, we only use it minimally. You just, it's choices, you know, absolutely. They are more expensive and there's more considerations for it, but you, you know, you make choices and you cut in other ways. And once you can't cut anymore, this is getting very personal, but we when you decided that you were going to be a family with six kids, were you mm-hmm. thinking at all about long-term versus short-term or were you thinking, you know, having a house with all this life in it today is, is the better option? No, no. And in fact, it, Paula knows our story. We, we never intended to have this many children. It was quite by fate that we ended up with six children and, It was really more of a heart decision. We weren't thinking finances. The finances came after. And they're one of the reasons why we're trying so hard to get to financial independence. But we never did those long-term projections. We just knew that we were going to be increasing our family. Yeah. Could you tell everybody just a little bit of your story? Yeah. We intended to adopt Jacob, who was our our first adoption, and he was a single. And then just through a series of events, uh, we ended up getting placed with two more children and agreed that we were going to adopt them. And then halfway through their adoption, their little brother was born, who's my youngest now, who just turned five. And that's how we got to six. None of it was what we planned. We planned on three. And that was it. But we magically became six. <laughs> Did you see the movie Instant Family? Yes. And I loved it. I thought there were so many things about that movie that were accurate. Yeah. Uh, uh, And I dare anybody to watch that and not uh, get the room a little dusty, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What a great movie. Len, you have two children of your own that hold you back on the road to financial independence? Uh, of course it did. Yes. And, and I will say that I want to say two things first. Wendy, congratulations for adopting as, as an adopted child myself. Uh, oh, thank you. God bless you. And Paula, you're adopted too, right? Yes. Yeah. I so, was adopted too. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, God bless you. And uh, the second thing is kids, I wish we could have had more, honestly, and I don't know if the honeybee <laughs> would have gone along <laughs> with that, but, but I purposely was decided ahead of time. It's like two is Two is all I can afford, you know, so that kind of uh, 
just just because of the financially. So yeah, I was looking at it fine the financial impacts before we even started a family. Yeah, Paula, when you take a look at this, I mean, people make these these decisions. It does seem to be this. Um, I don't know if it's a misnomer or a um, stereotype that the average couple who is in the fire community, the financial independence community, and they're already financially independent, they don't have any kids. Mm-hmm. I think that that stereotype comes about because the people with the biggest blogs and podcasts, a lot of the people who have public facing platforms don't have children, but that's, I, I think in part because when you reach financial independence, you could choose to spend your time in any way that you choose. So you could spend your time rock climbing or surfing or homeschooling your children. And there are a few of us who have decided to spend our time building blogs and podcasts. And that might not be a choice that we otherwise would have made under different circumstances. And for, in and fact, so by the way, sampling bias. Well, in fact, not to cut you off, it's it's looking back. It's not a choice we would have made had we had it to do again. Oh, what, starting a blog or a podcast? (laughs) If we had to start over, we would have realized what a sinking ship this whole thing is, Paula. (laughs) Maybe? No? Uh, No, I would still do it. I would do it all over again. (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately, so would I. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, Wendy, back to you. Let's talk about cuts because you guys have made some really serious, serious compromises to get financially independent. Let's talk about the, well, start with the big one that you guys just did. Yeah. The the big one that we just did is we opted to sell our house and use that as a vehicle to become consumer debt-free. But also with that, it's going to give us some money to begin investing in real estate to infuse our household with more income. But then the trifecta part of that is that we're going to become renters again. And by renting, we're going to save $1,100 a month versus having a mortgage. $1,100 a month, which is all ostensibly going into savings. It's actually going to be going. So at the same time as all of this happening, I closed my law practice. So some of it is to be able to afford to live without my income, but we are increasing my husband's retirement uh, contribution. Oh my gosh. I don't know why I, I didn't <laughs> think of that. But yes. Increasing my husband's um, retirement contributions, but then also now we can focus on the student loan debt. Cause that's what's left is the student loan debt. Oh, that's so exciting. It's funny, Len, when she talks about that, she went right to the biggest thing, your housing expense, the housing yes. expense easily Len is the biggest one. Yeah, I guess that's true. But uh, everybody's got to have a place to live too. So mm-hmm. now the thing is, when you own your own house, you got a few extra expenses you got to deal with. You know, insurance, uh, property taxes. Although I, I know a lot of people out there will say, "Well, that's all baked into the cake and the rent." The landlords pass that on to you. But uh, I still think you make out a little better renting when it comes to those two items. Uh, uh, they look here at the next thing, Paula, is uh, transportation costs. What are some ways that people can cut their transportation costs to bring the expenses down? A lot of that is going to depend on where you live. So if you live in a place that has in which you have access to good public transportation, that's a great way to bring down your transportation costs to go to a one car family. Um, But again, that depends uh, on your location because some locations are just better suited for that than others. It's funny because Joe in this piece, Paula, says that he and his spouse uh, still share one vehicle now. Yeah, which is great. I mean, that's a, a wonderful way to be able to cut your costs because when you only have one vehicle, you 
you know, it's not just the cost of that vehicle. It's all of the ongoing costs when it comes to insurance and maintenance and repairs and depreciation. Wendy, is that going to change also? Any transportation expenses going to change? Well, that was part of our payoffs. So we no longer have any car payments whatsoever. We do drive older vehicles as well. So it's just that expense has been decreased significantly by paying off the loans. What kind of car do you have, Wendy? Well, (laughs) we do not have an efficient like family car. That's the Suburban. But we don't drive that all the time. That's only if we're going to go out somewhere as a family. Then my children have their own cars. My oldest children, my 23-year-old and 17-year-old. My husband has had a paid-off car for a long time. He has an older Dodge Magnum, but he doesn't drive very far either. He works fairly close. So that's really how we save on those expenses. And by the way, your comment about minivans, when my twins (laughs) were at home, I went right to the minivan just to prove that I was very comfortable with my manhood. That was very comfortable. <laughs> it's very tempting. I mean, I've dri- we've driven them before several times, you know, on vacation or whatever, but I just I just have not been able to pull the trigger. <laughs> I had- hey, let me tell you let me tell you another thing. We're talking cars and kids. When your kids turn 16 and if they decide they want they're going to start driving and you allow, you know, you, they buy a car, your insurance goes up. I mean, it really hurts. So that's kind of one of those expenses you got to watch out for. I mean, it's just yeah. it's just the way it is. What what did you do then, Len? Did you do anything? Did the kids pay part of their insurance? Yeah, well, we gave them a we cut them some slack and gave them a choice. You could pay, you know, we'd subsidize their gas or we'd subsidize their insurance, but not both. So, but either way, they had to build the new addition onto the bunker by digging. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. Well, actually, the, the garage is right over the bunker, so we're Perfect. okay. Fantastic. <laughs> what else did you find, Paula, in this piece that was interesting? You know, Joe, in this article, made a very good observation about food in which he talked about how if you're cooking food at home, then you only need to make a little bit of extra food to feed that additional person or those, you know, two or three additional people versus if you're going to a restaurant and you have to order a totally additional meal at a restaurant, that's a significant increase. So if you go to a restaurant and you've got one or two extra people with you, the cost of that restaurant bill might double. But if you're cooking at home and you're making just a slightly greater volume of food, then your grocery bill, it's not going to double. It's only going to go up maybe 10% or 20%. You know, on the other hand, Paula, I saw a meme the other day that had this, uh, these people were at one of those restaurants where the waiter says, kids eat free. And the dad said, oh, in that case, I'll have a water and my six-year-old here will have the filet asparagus uh, uh, and the, and the kids, and the kids Bud Light. And I thought that was (laughs) brilliant. Fantastic. Hey, Joe, I'm looking at my, I I pulled up my expense sheet, my Excel spreadsheet of all my expenses for the past 22 years here. And I'm looking at my grocery bill. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Just color me surprised that Len (laughs) has a spreadsheet in the last 22 years of expenses. (laughs) Okay. Back to you. my, My gross, and my point is as your kids get older, especially if you have boys, let me tell you, don't underestimate how much teenage boys can eat. And then I'm speaking of myself as well. I was a teenage boy once and I ate my mom at a house at home. Just to give you an idea, when my when my son was um, from two years old, when my son was two, our grocery bill was total grocery bill was three thousand seven hundred thirty five dollars for the year. 
Since then, my daughter was born and basically 15, 16, 17 years later, our grocery total grocery bill came to $12,764. So what is that? About a four times increase in groceries. Now, some of that's inflation, of course, but a lot of that is it's just more food. (laughs) How much of it, though, Len? Seriously, how much of that did you see go away then when he left home? (laughs) (laughs) And there it is. (laughs) Yes. Well, because I saw, because I saw with Nick, and he's in Seattle now. When when Nick left, I made a profit. Like I made this monster profit. Wendy, you're nodding your head. Well, five of our six children are boys. We've got one 17 year old who he would eat forever <laughs> if we let him. But the little ones, even they're starting to eat like grown people, and then the oldest one will be nine, and like three weeks and they eat a lot of food. How do you cut your <laughs> they food? Do. Well, how do you cut your yes. food costs then? How do you keep it under control? Fillers like potatoes and rice. You just got to feed them more carbs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Meat is so expensive. Every, every dietitian listening <laughs> just sent me an email. Please send your, send your emails to Wendy at and healthier things fruits and vegetables we have changed so one thing that was getting out of control in our house was snack food so like crackers and stuff that is easy for me as a parent to send with them in their lunches at school but it was getting out of control because they would eat it I buy it in bulk at Costco and it would be gone in a week. And then I would have three weeks of nothing, you know, to feed them or have to go buy more food. And I had just had enough. So I said, you know what, I'm going to start buying easy fruits and vegetables to put in there, you know, baby bell cheese. And let's see how this goes. And instantly the the stuff started lasting (laughs) miraculously. (laughs) So that's how we've helped cut some of our our budgeting too, is just really being smart about our food choices. Yeah. Well, and uh, do you do things though, like meal planning or meal batching? Oh yeah. I don't batch cook much anymore just because honestly, our weekends are ridiculously crazy and I don't have four hours to do that. We do meal plan and that is very helpful. We shop our pantry first. So we look in our pantry and our freezer, we see what we have. Then we meal plan around that and then we go to the grocery store. So we're and we're looking for things that are on sale as well. So we're trying to combine all of these things to make our grocery budget go farther. But for you, I mean, financial independence, Wendy, is in the picture. I mean, I guess what Mm -hmm. you're saying is it is harder, but it's not unattainable for people with kids. Absolutely not. And that's kind of one of the the messages that I wanted to let families know is like financial independence is for everyone. It is for families. Is it different? Yes. Do you have different considerations? Yes, but it's doable. You just have to be intentional and think outside the box sometimes. We're going to call that your takeaway. Paula, what's your takeaway from this piece? I would say exactly that in terms of be conscious and deliberate about your spending and focus on the big three, housing, transportation, and food. And Len? Uh, Kids are expensive, but you know what? They're worth it. Yeah. can't believe it's back to school time already. And you know what that means? Time to buy new school supplies. Also, 
a great time to go clean out the closets. And that's why, as I was searching for our next Friday FinTech idea, I thought, what if we did something that would help people save some money and clean up at the same time? Well, and I found Mercari. Maybe you've already used Mercari. If so, you're along with 45 million other people who have downloaded Mercari. It is already Japan's number one online marketplace. Brad Williams is the head of communication for Mercari. Let's help you clean out the closets, get some money saved, maybe pay off some debt. And if you're looking for backpacks, gently used school clothes, whatever it might be, Mercari might be the place. Let's say hi to Brad Williams. Well, as you're thinking about back to school shopping, we've got a great special guest for you. Uh, here to explain Mercari, a place where people not only do back to school shopping, but listen to this. If you've got clutter in your house, you can also sell it. Brad Williams is here to explain it all. How are you, man? Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me on. I'm great. Well, I'm, I'm glad you could be here with us, especially this time of year. Let's talk back to school shopping because, as you know, everybody's looking at the big box stores. They might be looking at Amazon, but really, why not buy stuff that's gently used? Yeah, I'll answer this question in two ways, Joe, as a parent and as a representative of Mercari. So as a dad, I can tell you, any parent knows it gets more expensive every year. And I think the National Retail Federation said that the cost is is expected to exceed 700 bucks a kid for back to school shopping this year. So it's painful. And so there are lots of ways to soften that pain. But one of the easiest ways is just to take things that you aren't using and sell them and get them out of the house and make a few bucks for them. And that's where Mercari comes in. The average American household reports that they have 42 unused items lying around. When I talk to people who are like personal organizers, they say it's a whole lot more than that. That That's a chronically underreported number. And so as a nation, we've got a lot of stuff lying around that we just don't use. And sure, you can look at buying gently used things for your kids, for school, for supplies, for clothing, all of that. But also it's not limited to that. It's really about taking things that are just lying around and then going out and buying the new stuff that your kids probably want. And we've also found that with a lot of parents and kids um, use our app as kind of a teachable moment. I've talked to sellers who whose daughter wants you know a new toy every month or so, and before they buy a new one, they sit down and decide which one of the, her toys they're going to sell first. No, oh, great idea. And so, you know, it just te- it's a really low pressure, natural way to teach financial responsibility to kids and just sort of the the circle of financial life. And you know, when you see when you want to get something new. Mom and dad don't just go poof and the money comes out of the sky. It's nice to know that you can help contribute to the family finances and have visibility into that kind of thing that, you know, unfortunately, as parents, not enough of us, I don't think, provide that visibility to our kids and let them see, you know, where the money comes from, how much things cost. Yeah, I love this idea of early financial lessons. I also love the idea of less clutter. Let's talk about how it works. Is it, you mentioned app, is it solely app-based or is it also a web page, Mercari? It's also online and uh, a fair number of our users prefer the web, but really as an app is where it really sings. So Mercari is part of a new generation of, of selling apps. There are others that are newer that have come along in our sort of generation. There, you know, the old standbys are, you know, eBay and Craigslist. And then there's, you know, sites like Poshmark. And there's a lot of different ways to go at this. We believe our app is the simplest. And in fact, the the readers of e-commerce bytes, which is an online seller's publication earlier this year, voted Mercari as the easiest to use app for selling your stuff. 
This is from more volume sellers, so they appreciate how easy it is to use. Well, well and just an, an internal thing here in the basement, Brad, is that our producer of this show, Caden, who's in college at Texas Tech, when he heard that you were coming on, he was fired up because he loves Mercari because it's so simple. Oh, yeah. A lot of college kids, a lot of millennials. Uh, and there is a, you know, kind of a, there's an undercurrent here around sustainability that particularly for younger people in this country really resonates. And the idea of not buying just new things, buying used things and looking at recycling as you buy things rather than buying new things and disposing of it is a circular thing. And I think people are getting more conscious about their consumption as, as a nation. We consume, I don't know what the numbers are, but I'm sure we consume more than any other sure. country on earth per capita. We just buy a lot of stuff. We, we have do. big box retailers. And we, they also, the other thing we have is um, storage units. 20% of Americans, according to a study we did with a research partner earlier this year, 20% of Americans pay rent to keep stuff they're no longer using. Now, as a finance guy, you can appreciate how nonsensical that is, paying to house things that you're no longer using. And so if you go to France or China or Brazil and say, hey, where does a guy find a storage unit around here? They'll look at you like you're from Mars because <laughs> it's a uniquely American thing. Well, it's funny you say that because we had a few weeks ago, people can go back and look at through the at their webpage, stackybedjamins.com for this. Just put Tracy McCubbin in the search bar. She's an organizer and she talks about this very thing about how a lot of it's emotional. We buy this stuff that supposedly is going to make us happy, Brad, and it ends up making us miserable. Yeah. And it makes us miserable because it piles up around us right. and, and reminds us of the, the happiness we never got out of that item we bought five years ago. Keep it moving. Keep it going. Keep it selling. Keep your house simple. Keep your house uncluttered. And financially, it's just it's a tailwind. I wanted to ask you about that specific tailwind about, you know, we've got Marie Kondo all over the place now. Have you noticed a pickup on Mercari because of Marie Kondo? Yeah, when her book or uh, when her series debuted earlier this year, we definitely saw uh, an uptick on our site, and some of our competitors reported that as well. And she's just scratched the surface of this sure. problem we have as a country, which is we just consume too much. Yeah, you can look at that through an environmental lens, through a social lens, a financial lens. It just doesn't make sense on any level. There are ways to reverse that, and all societal trends are like pendulums, like they swing one way and then they swing the next. And we are seeing a swing, we believe, towards towards more minimalism and more simple living. And that's not, we're not anti-consumption at Mercari. We're pro-conscious consumption. We love buying. I mean, we're, we're a sales site too. People buy things on our site and they love them and they're not all used. A lot of them are new. Yeah. Caden um, was talking specifically about some stuff he bought just literally in the last couple of days before we recorded this from Mercari. I want to dig into though, Brad, exactly how it works. You talk about how it's easier than some other sites. Yeah. It's because it's your smartphone has made everything easier gotcha. in the okay. last 20 years. And if you look back at eBay or Craigslist, it's just, I mean, they have apps now, eBay does anyway, but really they were built uh, on a platform that's kind of a relic of another time. The founder of Mercari, Mercari started in Japan and we're the number one marketplace in Japan by far. We really sort of became a phenomenon there about five years ago. Before that, Japanese didn't really sell or buy used online uh, or in person much at all. It just wasn't societally something that was done. And Mercari was introduced and really sort of gamified this. Shintaro Yamada, our founder in, in Japan, um, was a game developer. He did that for many years and then he, had, he sold his company to Zynga. 
uh, big American game company. And he ran Zynga Japan for a couple of years. And then he left and went backpacking around the world to relax and oh unwind. And, and he saw that everywhere he went, he went to a lot of places, a lot of remote places. And everywhere he went, the common denominator was the public market. And that trade was what really, you know, unites us as humans most consistently. And he thought about the ways to trade online. And as a game developer, he realized that there's got to be a better way. And so he built Mercari and it's much better than the old ways. But really, our goal is to make selling easier than buying. And we believe that societally, there's a great opportunity to make selling easier than buying in terms of people's mental health and happiness, financial well-being, clutter, landfills. Uh, making selling easier than buying is a big idea that we're committed to. Let's talk about how that works then. So I go to sell something, super easy to get on there. Is is there any fee for me to sell things on Mercari? There's no fee to list. Uh, there's a 10% selling fee that we charge once your item sells. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but there's no fee to list and there's no reason not to list. So when I joined the company, I started just realizing that I've got all kinds. Of, I, so it's like I had glasses on and I could suddenly see all the stuff in my house that was worth money and started selling it. Started with the things that I thought were worth more money. And then I started selling more random things. And what I found was that stuff really sells. You know, it's a national marketplace. Everything ships on Mercari. So you take a few photos with your phone. There's a really simple app that guides you through the process. On average, it takes a little over three minutes for someone to list an item on Mercari, according Holy to our cow. data. Wow. Um, I worked at eBay several years ago, and I'm, a, I'm an old, experienced eBay seller because of that. And I can tell you three minutes is a huge improvement. <laughs> but I can also tell you that we're not done. I mean, we're really focused on making selling truly easier than buying. And that's going to be that's going to need to be faster than three minutes. And it's going to need to be easier and more fun and less friction. But that's our objective. I want to ask you a question about the buyer. I mean, I bought things on eBay. You may have bought things on eBay before and they weren't quite as advertised. What sort of uh, protection to the buyer is there on Mercari? It's very similar to the other online marketplaces. It's a money back guarantee. The money isn't released. It's, it's a little different than eBay in that the money isn't released to the seller until the buyer has received the item and given a thumbs up and said, yep, it's here. It's good. Oh, that's you can great. go ahead and pay the seller. We also just introduced a feature called instant pay, which is pretty exciting. It's the, the first, we're the first marketplace to offer this. This is a, an instant payment system that, that was developed originally for Uber and for Lyft for their drivers to pay their drivers quickly. And now we've offered it to online sellers for the first time. You can get your money from your sale within about five minutes instead of five days, which is what it usually takes to, wow. to route through the bank. Wow. Holy cow. That's fantastic. It's a $2 fee, okay. but uh, we, inter we introduced it um, just a couple of weeks ago. And we've already paid pretty close to $2 million bucks, uh, to people. It's very popular. I'm thinking about those college kids living a little closer to the vest. Might like that. You bet. I mean, you know, it's case of beer tonight or <laughs> next Thursday. Or, or as mom likes to say, school books, though. School books, come on. School books, that's yes, right. Absolutely. Well, uh, we will link to Mercari in our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. Brad, thanks for hanging out for a few minutes explaining it to us. I appreciate it. Joe, thanks for having us on. Hey there, trivia fans. How's the weather where you are? I'll tell you, here it's raining like crazy, and there's nothing Joe's mom loves more on a rainy day than curling up on the couch and watching movies. Usually they're biker movies, but today is actor Gene Kelly's birthday. So we're talking Singing in the Rain and a bunch of other hit movies. 
Here's today's question in his honor. Oscars bring in lots of money for the greats. So how many Oscars was Gene Kelly nominated for during his illustrious career? I'll be back with the answer after I grab some tissues for Joe's mom. She always cries during the action sequences. All right. We explained the rules to this convoluted game to Wendy behind the scenes. Wendy, think you got it? I do. All right. You are playing on behalf of OG. We keep track. We've been keeping track since the beginning of the year. I have no idea, Paula, why we're keeping track, but we are keeping track. <laughs> because of the big prize at the end of the year. That's Duh. the mystery prize. Hello. <laughs> Len is in the lead with nine. Paula has seven. And OG, who is leading for much of the winter into spring, has stalled at six, which means, Wendy, you're playing on behalf of OG. So no pressure. He's he's getting his butt kicked, so don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so you get to choose first. Do you want to go first, in the middle, or last? Last. Last. Not her first rodeo. That means, Paula, do you want to go in the middle or first? I will guess in the middle. How about that? So Len. Also after Wendy. Gene, <laughs> Gene Kelly. Mister, I'll go laster. <laughs> Gene Kelly, Mr. Singing in the Rain. He directed My Fair Lady. There's a couple Gene Kellys. How many Oscars was Mr. Kelly nominated for? By the way, before we get to that, Paula, do you have any idea who Gene Kelly is? Uh, he is. He's a black and white, like older era of performer. Yeah, but did you do you know anything about like singing in the rain or I've heard of Singing in the Rain. Yeah. Okay. Um it's a older classic film he actually, with an accompanying song. He actually later in life was in some pretty good movies too. There was a movie in the eighties, it's one of my favorite older kind of scary movies called mm -hmm. Ghost Story. And he was one of the old men in the movie Ghost Story where these guys, uh, when they were younger, did something very bad, and the ghost comes back to get them all while they're senior citizens. And it's, Oh, wow. Yeah. Ooh, I might have to check that out. Yeah, that's an interesting premise. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. But anyway, Len, Gene Kelly, how many Oscar nominations? Uh, let me think. Real, before I do that, let me just say about the singing in the rain. You know, when I, I went to Universal Studios, this was uh, back when I was a kid, and he was still kind of relevant, and they were talking about that movie – and it's not – he wasn't singing in the rain. Do you know what he was singing in? Milk. Was because it? of the black oh. and white. It was – they had to shower milk over him to make it show up on the screen. See, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So how many no nominations? I have no freaking clue at all. <laughs> I'm sure – shoot. I don't know. When did movies – when did he start being in movies? I don't know. 1940. I don't know. 45. Let's say he was nominated for one a year for – I don't know. Till 1975. I'll say, no, let's say 70, 25, 25. Paula. Wow. That you really put some thought into that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Real scientific. <laughs> okay. So what's running through my mind right now is I'm going to guess a number that's less than 25. I could guess one or if I want to narrow the spread a little bit, make it a little harder for when I could <laughs> take more of a middle of the road guess, but then I run the risk of everybody being over, but that would still strategically be better than. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm going to do that. Um, I'm going to guess 10. Paula guesses 10. 
Well, there's your choices, Wendy. What are you going to do? Hmm. Well, initially I was going to do one thinking that Paula was going to go higher. Hmm. So now I'm not going to do that. I think I'm going to do 11. The- <laughs> your, your check is in the mail, Wendy. <laughs> And Wendy, her first time here, Chelsea Brennan's Paula Pant. All right. Well, we would love to tell you right now what the answer is, but we can't do that. We have to uh, make you wait for it. So we'll be right back. As I mentioned earlier, thanks to Grammarly for supporting our podcast. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people like me improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. Grammarly encourages everybody, including of course, the best students and the top professionals to use Grammarly to do their best work and accomplish even more of their goals. You can go much faster, guys, with Grammarly because you don't have to worry as much about the carnage being left behind your writing. You know how you'll get an email from some people sometimes, people you thought were smart, and they misspell some pretty easy words or they have horrible sentence construction. I remember When I was with American Express, we had a vice president that would send out emails and wouldn't have anybody check them. And it was funny because obviously this is way before Grammarly existed back in the old days. And it made him look horrible. And I remember all the talk that went on behind his back. Uh, And frankly, just the idea that he wouldn't have somebody check it. So I know we live in a much busier world now. You don't have to have somebody check it. You've got Grammarly there to check it. It's available on multiple browsers, Chrome, Firefox, Safari, Edge, platforms like iOS, Android, Windows, Mac. Their free product reviews critical spelling and grammar. Grammarly Premium, though, looks out for spelling, grammar, plus advanced punctuation, structure, style within context, vocabulary suggestions, conciseness, and readability for different occasions. So whether it's a business proposal, academic essay, casual blog post, script for a podcast about money, whatever it might be, Grammarly is there. Accomplish your goals with help from Grammarly. You can stop making email typos on your phone, close more deals at work this year with your emails, or polish your resume to get that new job. Here's the best part. If you go to Grammarly.com forward slash SB, you know what's going to happen. You're going to get 20% off your Grammarly premium account today. That's Grammarly.com forward slash SB for 20% off your Grammarly premium account. Paula. If you land exactly on 10, you got this. Totally. And I am I am feeling somewhat sort of not even remotely confident. <laughs> Len, uh, 25. You're by far the highest guy. Yeah, but I've got everything. I've got, if he's won a million, I'm in there. You're in there. Yes. Yep. <laughs> and they'll say you talk about 2 million. <laughs> Heck no. And then, Wendy, you've got 11 to 24. That seems like a nice range. I think so. Yeah, that's good. All right, let's turn it over to Doug. Doug, what's your answer? Hello, Dolly, and welcome back to you too, trivia fan. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and before the break, I asked you how many Oscars Gene Kelly was nominated for over the course of his extensive career. Turns out that the director of Hello, Dolly! and the star of Singing in the Rain was nominated for a grand total of one Oscar for a flick called Anchors Away. Speaking of Anchors Away, I'm getting out of here before Joe's mom starts Titanic again. That woman's drowning us all in Celine Dion songs. See ya! Yeah, Ma, I know you're the king of the world. No! Whoa! Man! 
Go with Man. your gut. Always go with your gut. Paula, you had your chance. I know. I could have guessed. I was on the verge of guessing that. And that was a trick Very sneaky, Mr. Joe. It's one of the few of Doug's that I know going in what it is. And Paula says, well, I think I'm going to guess one, but I'm not going to. I'm like, oh, man. And then, and then Wendy says, well, I, would, I could go one, but I'm not going to do that. No. I'm sitting here sweating bullets for everybody. Yeah, he did win an honorary Oscar, but he was never nominated for that. He was nominated for a movie in 1945 called Anchors Away. Nominated for an American in Paris for a Golden Globe. Nominated for uh, a Golden Globe for Hello, Dolly. Never nominated for uh, Singing in the Rain. Won a bunch of TV awards. But um, yeah, one time. So there we go. We punt to next week, as they say. So let's throw that segment in the trash. And instead we'll (laughs) magnify somebody's money. Take out the magnifying glass, help somebody do better with their money. Today's hotline call comes to us courtesy of Magnified Money. When you head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Magnified Money, you know what happens, Wendy? No. You find those financial products people use every day. They are nowhere near the best in class. Over 92% of the products available online all ranked at Magnified Money. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Magnified Money for more. And today we're going to help Jim Magnify his money. Say hi, Jim. Hey, Joe. It's Jim. The show's meh. I'm getting married <laughs> in a few months, and my future wife isn't very financially educated. She's never had to be since her family's decamillionaires. I'm not quite on the fire movement, but I've always aggressively saved and focused on budgets. She focuses more on handbags and shoes. So, do I kick my feet up and relax? Do I enforce a Gestapo type budget? Where's the middle ground? And how have you and your wife approached money? Wait, why am I asking you to? No one would date someone that lives in their mom's basement. I'll talk to Doug. Thanks. Bye. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Hey, Jim, first of all, your question was okay. It was meh. I don't know. It was all right. No, actually, Jim brought it. Nice job, Jim. Stackers, that's the way you leave a voicemail right there. That is the way you leave a voicemail. I'm sure there's a lot of hyperbole there, but when you've got a couple that doesn't necessarily agree on money and spending money, how do you bridge that gap? Len, let's talk to you. You might have to whisper if the honeybee's there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, luckily it's really tough. If you've got a a spouse who doesn't have the same financial mindset as you, I, I mean, I... I pity you. Uh, I've, I've lucked out. The honeybee and me, we, we see we're on the same page. So it's so easy. I, I really don't know. I can't give good advice because I'm not in your shoes. I, but I would say if I were in your shoes, I would maintain separate accounts. But I guess that's all like we could do. Maybe three accounts, one account for the make sure the bills are paid that you put in equally. Then you have your own and she would have hers. And that's probably how I would do it. But boy, it, that's tough. What? So then then her money ends up being like her own allowance of spend whatever's left in your account. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Wendy, how do you guys do it at your house? Mm, well, going back several years, we were marriage mentors. So like we helped other couples. And when I heard this voice message, I'm, I have so many questions still. Like I, I want to know her parents may be decamillionaires, but how does she earn money? Does she earn money? 
have you guys had a conversation about money? Do you guys have the same values and goals about money? Sounds to me like there needs to be a whole bunch of conversations to try and at least find some common ground about what they want for their future. You and Curtis seem to be on the same page when I hear you guys on the show. Yeah, and we are. And that's not to say that we always were. It was that, in fact, with the FI movement that I was involved longer than he was, it took a while for him to get on board with that. But again, it was a result of conversations and talking about it and really focusing on what our goal was. And ultimately, our goal was the same. And so then we could make agreements on how we were going to get there. When you said that you were into it and he wasn't, what was the bridge that got both of you kind of on that same page? Well, he had a moment. He had a, an experience. Last year, we went to the the Fai Chautauqua in Greece, and he met J.L. Collins. Just being surrounded by other people and hearing it in a different way that just resonated with him, I think, was was it for him. I think he was on board with the plan, but he hadn't internalized it. And so that gave him an opportunity to actually like internalize the information. I love this idea, Paula, of, of sometimes bringing in other voices is the way to somebody's heart. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that everybody tells a story in, in their own way. The story, the way that they frame it, the um, just the way that a person connects with another person, it's, it's different depending on whose mouth it's coming from. And so gaining exposure to a variety of voices until you find the one or ones that resonate with you, that's the way to do it. Okay. So for you then, if you're Jim, how does he approach this? So I am also, as Len said, a big fan of the yours, mine, and ours account structure in which you have one account in which both parties contribute to shared expenses. And that contribution could be either equal raw dollar amounts or it could be proportionate to their income. I mean, you can make an agreement about how much each party contributes, but the hours account is that shared account. Beyond that, you also have a each person also has their own individual account from which they maintain their own autonomy. You know, what's funny, though, is, I mean, that solves the immediate problem, right? The immediate Mm -hmm. issue of now we don't bounce stuff Or if we bounce stuff, we bounce maybe half the stuff. But that really doesn't bring your spouse into the emotional discussion. How do we bring them emotionally there besides shipping them off to Greece to talk to J.L. Collins? (laughs) (laughs) I think starting with a conversation about values. So you start Mm -hmm. with this conversation of what do we want our life to look like in 50 years 25 years, 10 years, five years, and you start with the vision and the values. And then once you agree on what that shared vision and values are, then you reverse engineer, how do we actually make this a reality? Mm -hmm. You're nodding your head, Wendy. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think that that is the way to go. And that's essentially what I was trying to convey earlier is that having this common goal to, you know, have them be excited about as well. So my answer to this is all the above. I love everything you guys said. I think that an issue that we money nerds have is that we love this stuff so much. I mean, Mm -hmm. Len Penzo loves it so much that he's got a flipping spreadsheet that shows 22 years (laughs) worth of expenses. (laughs) If Jim shows his spouse a spreadsheet with 22 years worth of expenses, that's when the divorce starts. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) The uh, But where I'm not kidding there, though, is that 
I think, and and by the way, I think this approach a lot, and it obviously is my bias, even with this show, is that I think if you start, if you make sure that this is light and interesting and fun, instead of deep and heavy, I think people think of money discussions as deep and heavy, and that's why more people don't go there. They're like, yeah, yeah, man, I would love to do that, but uh, I got to go study for my blood test, you know, I got this other stuff I got to do. Because the deep conversation you think you can have later, but if it's light and it's fun. So one thing that, and I'm not an expert, but one thing that Cheryl and I did was that we have a meeting once a week that either involves wine or breakfast, depending on how we feel. So or if, both at the same time. Or, that's right. <laughs> it's, you're right. But it does have to be either or, right? <laughs> Pancakes pairs nicely with a cab. Uh, no. Probably not. The uh, Try that one at your own risk. With but, Merlot. The, with Merlot. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who said a cab? Ridiculous. <laughs> um, but we have it once a week. It is, uh, first of all, it's short on purpose because making that thing. Now, sometimes it becomes longer, but it's not scheduled for long. It's scheduled to be short so that we continue to do it. If it's short, we'll do it. If, if it's a long meeting, we'll skip it. So it's 20 minutes. We walk through, uh, we use Tiller. So we walk through our Tiller expenses that we had for the last week. If anything's really glaring, we talk about those expenses that we had. And just talking through our expenses, by the way, ends up being pretty fun. Then we talk about what's coming up the next week. So is there any big expenses coming up the next week? And what that avoids, and avoided when we had kids at home, it avoided this whole um I've got one set of priorities. Cheryl has another set. She comes home with school clothes at the same time that I decide to, you know, buy some big thing myself for the family or do some home improvement. All of a sudden we sink the entire budget because we're both trying to solve the same problem a different way. So we talk about what expenses are coming up the next week. And then invariably, you know what happens because we do this all the time. We end up talking about money and goals most of the week. And I've noticed when we skip that meeting, we end up not talking about money and goals the rest of the week, and then we run into trouble. So I like a short, fun, easy conversation, wine or pancakes, or if you're Paula, both. And, um, and I think you get there. So that's my two cents on that. Lens like or a spreadsheet. <laughs> I don't know. Thanks for the question, Jim. If you've got a question for us, head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. And you too, by the way, you can be like Jim. We're about to change the game here, by the way, stackers. We're going to be doing something fun along with the Magnify Money line. And I'm just going to leave it there. But this is going to get even more interesting, how we answer voicemails in the future. So you might want to get in line if you've got a question. All right. That's going to do it for this uh, we're going to let our guest of honor go last. Let's start with Mr. Penzo. What's coming up at lenpenzo.com? I am having another Stacking Benjamins listener, Randy from Missouri, sharing how he gets by on $40,000 a year or less. So uh, that's it, uh, lenpenzo.com. Stop on by and see how Randy does it. Nice job, Randy. Congratulations. And by the way, Len, thanks again for stopping by on Wednesday with the annual sandwich survey. Oh, it was fun. That I was enjoyed so it. fun. And your mom's great and uh, just awesome. It is such a great time. And uh, if, if you didn't hear Wednesday's episode with Len, you can even go back to the last several years of our episode with Len <laughs> and the sandwich survey is always one of our favorite shows. Paula, speaking of favorites, 
What's coming up at affordanything.com? Speaking of your favorite shows, Ta. of course. Of course. Well, thank you. We just aired an interview with Mark Manson. So Mark Manson is the author of a new book called Everything is Effed, a book about hope. He is well known for his level of emotional intelligence and the way that he talks about emotional mastery and takes a very big picture perspective of the world and allows us to to take these very, very high level concepts and apply it to our daily lives. So I've been following his writing for many, many years. So it was a huge, uh, awesome to be able to finally talk to him. Isn't that half the fun of being a podcaster? It's amazing. Like fundamentally, my job is to read a book and then have a one-on-one conversation with the author about it. And once again, the professional podcaster has her microphone fall. Totally. As I was saying that, I literally dropped the mic. That was great. I get to talk to the author. Bam. Done. (laughs) Yes. Speaking of awesome shows, we love the House of Fi, as you know, Wendy. Thanks a ton for joining us. Oh, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for letting me be part of it. Well, it was way more fun because you were here. But what's you always have fun stuff on the House of Fi. What's coming up now? Yeah. So this week we just had on this awesome lady. Her name's Vicki Van Essen and her blog is onewayticketfamily.com. And why I wanted to have her on the show is this is actually a family that is traveling the world, like living the dream while raising children. You know, that's my dream life. So <laughs> she she tells how she's able to do it, um, what countries they've visited, what countries are the most family friendly. It's just a really awesome show. And speaking of that, you often have guests on that have families and are doing exactly what we talked about on today's episode. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Great stuff. And that's the House of Fine. You can find it wherever you're listening to this show right here. Yes, sir. Absolutely. That's going to do it for today. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us. Uh, Doug, you've got it from here, man. What should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, take some advice from our roundtable. Life is about balance and choices. More money spent today on kids and fun, the less money you'll have for later. So decide what's most important to celebrate with your children and spend lavishly, but then cut back on expenses that you don't care about. Second, Take some advice from Brad Williams at Mercari. Lots of clutter around the house? Get rid of that stuff. Maybe you'll make a few extra bucks and you can sock it away towards early retirement. But more than that, you'll feel less drained from messes all over the house. But the big lesson here? Bring plenty of tissues when watching Singing in the Rain with Joe's mom. It's a real downpour of milk. She's flinging milk all over the place. What is wrong with you, woman? Special thanks to Wendy Mays for stopping by from the House of Fi podcast. You'll find Wendy's show wherever you're listening to us right now. We'll also have a link in our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. Thanks to Brad Williams from Mercari for stopping by and showing us we can get a little extra cash for the things around the house that we don't use. You can find them on their website at mercari.com. That's M-E-R-C-A-R-I.com for more information or again at our show notes page paula pant appears courtesy of affordanything.com and afford anything podcast all the afford anythings
Len Penzo appears courtesy of LenPenzo.com and all of the darkness and doubt in the world. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and if you could only know what it really smells like down here. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. It's funny, we were talking about singing in the rain and, uh, and these singing in the milk, singing in the milk. <laughs> right. And I started, to, I started to think about dances and dancing. And then I thought about the days of high school dances. And when I was in high school and in junior high, all the junior high, they were boys, all the boys on one side of the gym, all the girls on the other. And you would spend probably 90% of the entire evening on your side of the gym, all the while looking across the gym. This is what we did looking across the gym at that person we were going to ask to dance. There were generally seven or eight girls who were out in the middle of the floor dancing the entire time. They didn't care. Uh, But the guys didn't dance. And then when you realize that there was limited time, you had maybe one song left, you would go make your move. And because I was at a Catholic junior high, that's when I learned that not only could you ask somebody to dance, she might say yes. And when she said yes, you were amazed because there was no way in hell anybody wanted to dance with you, right? I went out in the middle of the floor with my Brit Spalding, who I was so excited to dance with. And uh, then I was taught that we had to leave some room for Jesus. That's what... <laughs> <laughs> That's I, was, I was I was told immediately. I also remember practicing dancing with my mom ahead of time and very inadvertently my mom taught me I wasn't trying to do anything but my mom taught me that my hands need to be a little higher if you know what I mean. And by the way, before anybody else goes, I have one other thing I have to say that I've been saving till now, which is that I realized before all of this, the first girl I ever liked, Beth Carlisi, in early, well, I liked other people, but she was the first girl I asked to be my girlfriend. I asked her to be my girlfriend in the hallway 
early in seventh grade? She said, yes. I didn't know what to do. So I kind of high-fived her. (laughs) (laughs) That's cute. Oh, no, no. That's not all, Paula. Then I never talked to her again. But, but I have to say this, Beth Carlisi, if you're listening to this, happy 39th anniversary. (laughs) Because we never, we never broke up. So I got to wonder when I disclose to Cheryl that I'm still going out with Beth Carlisi. (laughs) (laughs) Never ended that. Come on, you guys went to high school dances. Paula, what was your high school dance or, or junior high dance experience like? Uh, well, high school dances got a little complicated because my family is Nepalese and they weren't really acquainted with the cultural custom of high school dances. And so initially they told me that I wasn't allowed to go. And then and then later they said that I was allowed to go, but only if I went stag. So I wasn't allowed to bring a date which all the other girls, I went to an all-girls high school, so all the other girls would bring dates, and and I didn't. And then eventually, by the time I was like a junior in uh, high school, that restriction lifted, and I was technically allowed to bring a date, but I just didn't know who to ask because, you know, I don't know. Went to an all-girls high school. I didn't really know that many guys, and yeah. So you so, think you think back to those days? That was that must have been harrowing. I mean, just every time there was a dance, it was a flipping nightmare. Yeah. High school dances were never really my thing, and I'm trying very hard to repress the memory. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, thanks, Joe. <laughs> Appreciate you bringing this up. Wendy, how about you? Oh, I have the same feeling. That was like all kinds of trauma that, at, you know, my age, I'm still trying to get over. <laughs> it just, oh, it was just not fun. Not fun. The stress of, you know having a date and not having a date and, you know, getting up the courage for like Sadie Hawkins, where the girl asked the guy and getting rejected and, Oh, it's just awful. Oh, (laughs) I, so uh, awful. Yeah. Yeah. My senior year, I had a, uh, I had this girl who really wanted to go, I thought really wanted to go to prom. And so I asked her to go to prom and uh, she said, yes, she had been dating this other guy before then. So I was Joe rebound guy, high school wow. rebound, even by the way. And, uh, the minute she got in my car, it became apparent she wanted nothing to do with going to the prom with me. So wow. we went to dinner and we're sitting at dinner with, you know, two other senior couples in high school. And guess who walks in and sits at the very next table with his back to hers? They sit her ex-boyfriend right behind her, which then completely made the evening more fun. So at 1045 (laughs) p.m., I drove her back to her house and, uh, you know, the dance ended at midnight. And at 1045, I drove her back to her house and I remember... She gets out of the car. I get out of the car. I walk her to the door and I literally very straight armed, stick my hand out straight arm and go, well, I had a great time, (laughs) (laughs) which was my completely over the top, sarcastic you (laughs) just, just, oh my, it was horrible. Len, how about you? Joe, this is painful for me. I mean, look, I mean, this is terrible making me go back and relive all this. I mean, high school, look, I'm a nerd. Why? Right? I'm a, I'm hey, a Len, freaking... 
You, nobody look, I've was turned down more times than the beds at a holiday inn. <laughs> it's it's not nothing good came out of high school for me. I didn't get to first base till uh, till like my last week of high school. So <laughs> I just a slow uh I was still going through puberty in my senior year. So I mean, last week of high school terrible. though. The high school was terrible for me. Last week of high school, first base was a great base though, wasn't it, Len? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I played Dungeons and Dragons with my, you know, that, that was a, that was a great Friday night for me all through high school. That was That's funny. totally nice. popular now, though. Isn't that funny how it's all changed? The world has changed. My brother, my cousin and I had a secret pact that we wouldn't let anybody know that we played Dungeons and Dragons together like every <laughs> flipping weekend. But nobody was allowed to know. That was it. Paula, did no, you play Dungeons and Dragons? You must have. No, no, never played it. No. Wendy? Oh yeah, yeah. I I tried to find a picture of it because now like the video game is is super cool. But when we were playing, it was like all the little pixels and like <laughs> you know the little squares, and yes. it didn't really even look like a dragon. But yes. you can like hear the dragon. <laughs> yes. yes, yeah. Uh, you, you, know, you know, Joe. I just started watching Stranger Things. You you know the the kids in Stranger Things. I'm only four episodes in, by the way, so don't don't spoil it for me. But yeah, uh, yeah I'm late there too. But th- th- that was me. I was those kids. That was me. Yeah. Well, luckily, when they all die later, you won't. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Did I did I spoil that? <laughs> because honestly, our weekends are ridiculously crazy and I don't have four hours to do that. But we do meal plan. We definitely can you hear my dog? I can. <laughs> but it's but it sounds but, but it sounds like the start of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I told you. I know. <laughs> Um, but we absolutely we do meal plan. Better make sure that the truck doesn't back over the dogs. What? Oh, <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Is that the dog backing up? <laughs> it was an Amazon truck using my driveway. <laughs> oh gosh. Hey there. Well, today's fun might be over, but you know what? Your fun summer of home improvements and travel may just be starting and Navy Federal Credit Union beliefs tapping into your home as equity shouldn't come at a high price. They cover 100% of the closing costs. So if your debt strategy includes a home equity loan, you know where to look. Traveling this summer, Navy Federal Credit Union's flagship credit card treats members to their highest rewards and premium benefits. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Equalizing lender terms and conditions apply. Navy Federal is federally insured by NCUA. Message and data rates may apply. Home equity lines of credit have variable rates as low as 8.75% APR and 9.75% APR for interest only. Call 1-888-842-6328 for details.